Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or Zepbound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Welcome to series 2, episode 9 of the Women's Running podcast. I'm Mr. Newman, editor of Women's Running, and in this episode, I speak to the very lovely Jenny Faulkner, TV presenter, radio broadcaster and avid London marathoner. We had a chat last October, just before Halloween and the second lockdown kicked in. She was as charming as she sounds on the radio and on her podcast, enthusiastically talking about her great love of running while brushing away her recent stress fracture. We chatted about her very first on-screen appearance, on Blind Date no less, just after she completed her A-levels, and how that appearance led to a fascination and love for broadcasting. At around the same time, she discovered her love for running too, and she chats about how she started doing that and taking on her first and subsequent London marathons, an experience she loves every single year. She also talks about being papped on the way to work, how getting up at 4.30am is a bit of a lie-in, and how she has inspired her daughter to also love exercise. In between her busy radio schedule at Smooth, Jenny has also found time to launch a podcast about running, an app also about running, and a collagen supplement aimed squarely at runners. You could say she was a bit of a running fan. What's next? Well, if she's launching the Jenny Faulkner Run Kit, put me first in line, please. This episode is sponsored by ASICS. It's so important to make sure you're running in the right type of shoe to avoid the risk of injury and to improve performance. But apparently 81% of runners are running in the wrong type of shoe. Don't be part of that 81%. Just head over to an ASICS store or visit their online shoe finder at asics.tv forward slash shoes and speak to an expert who will be able to analyse your foot and your stride, which is a service they offer completely free of charge and they will help you find the right shoe for you. Just go to asics.tv forward slash shoes to find out all about Europe's number one running brand. Exactly. You look as though you've just come back from a run. I I've been injured for three months and so I couldn't run and um, I'm now back doing it. So I'm trying to build up again because I'm doing the Vitality 10K this week. So I'm 
I'm going to, it's probably going to be the slowest 10K I've ever done, but I'm just trying to make sure that I can do it. And so I just, I run home from work basically. So I, it takes me about an hour. So I ran home from work and then I just got back in time. So that's good. I, I thought that I did the Vitality 10K yesterday, but I actually did too much. And the Vitality 10K won't pick up, the, the, the website won't pick up my Strava details. It's too much. Because it's too well, much. Good because I haven't. Oh, right. So you have to, you have to stop bang on 10K. I think so. Oh, God, yeah. I don't even know. Because I run in miles and I'm like, I don't even know what 10K is. Is it 6.6? So do I. <laughs> so do I. I've just had to change over my Strava and my Garmin to go metric instead of imperial, which I think probably my life has to be more metric. <laughs> so maybe yeah. that's the way forward. I, know, I don't know why. I, I changed to miles because Sophie Rayworth once, she runs in miles. And then I just thought, and then I noticed that everyone, they were all talking in miles. And then I realized that everyone runs in miles. So I thought, right, I'm going to try running in miles. But it messed my whole system up. In fact, I'm going to say that's the reason I'm slower. I'm going to go back to to metric. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been been Google stalking you, Jenny. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Found lots of things. I found found lots of pictures. Actually, I was going to go back. I was going to talk about blind date to begin with but then I just thought actually the first thing that's occurred to me is that I found loads of pictures tabloid pictures of you uh, over the last couple of years um walking to work that's one thing I was just really interested in I was wondering how how it feels to be so much in the public eye does it you know what does that affect you does that feel strange or are you used to it now well to be fair, I think they're probably waiting for someone else. I just come out the building first and they're like, eh, take a photo. So um, it doesn't really bother me at all. There's, um, I mean, I go to work in that building, which is global radio, and it's there's lots of radio stations in there. And there's, I mean, there's permanently photographers outside. And I know them all now. Morning, guys. How are you doing? And I... There are some people that come out of that building every day and they look immaculate and they're camera ready and they look fantastic. And for me, I like to do my commute on my run home at the same time. So I always kind of come out after Amanda Holden, for instance, always looks amazing and she's, they love her, the pepper. And she doesn't care what she looks like, but she does always look immaculate. And then I come out in my sportswear. <laughs> it's just like, I should really make more of an effort here, but I want to run home. So it's about efficiency for me as well. So I kind of prioritize the stuff I want to do and my prioritize my exercise rather than, you know, putting it on for the cameras. But um, I was telling them this morning that I'm going to be coming out. I'm running my 10K this week. They're like, which day, which day, which is quite funny. So they want to to have a giggle about my number probably and see what I look like when I'm going out in my race. But look, it's, it, it's nothing it doesn't there's I don't get it to the point that I can't walk down the street and if I get it I'm you know I'm flattered that they take a photo of me because you know all I'm doing is leaving work <laughs> <laughs> so and yet you have been injured you were talking about yeah I was um I think a multiple there's loads of reasons for a multitude of reasons but um I fractured got a stress fracture in my foot and for someone that runs, you know, all the time and who loves exercise, I couldn't even walk. I couldn't do anything. And so going to the, I mean, I couldn't do anything. And it was just frustrating. And also at a time of lockdown when there isn't really much, you're limited with what you can do anyway. Um, so I found that the only thing I could do, which I love anyway, I could play golf. I had to get a buggy. I couldn't even walk in the golf course. So I got a buggy and I could do a shot. But even then, sometimes when I leaned to do the shot, it would hurt my foot. Mm. So I almost 12 weeks without doing anything it 
it, it goes really quickly. And that's the thing. You always know afterwards when you look back at an injury, it's gone in a flash. But at the time when you're going through it, it's mind-numbingly frustrating. And all you can see are runners. All you can see are people skipping and dancing in the streets. And you're just like, I can't even walk. So it was, it was very frustrating, actually. How did you manage that? How do you? Because I know that, like, when I'm injured and I'm laid off for a bit, I find it deeply depressing. How, yeah. how did you manage that? Well, um, I'm quite. I like. I'm quite a positive person, so and I know that if I if I start seeing the negative in something, it can spiral, and I'll find it really depressing. So the good thing is, I go to work every day, and I love going to work, and I work on the radio. So actually, that takes up a chunk of my day. So that's good. So part of the day when I could be running, I'm actually working, so that's fine. And then it's been, you know, it was school holidays for most of it. And so actually I would hang out with my daughter quite a lot of the time um, and I could still play golf. So I was really happy because that's part of the, I get like, I get a kind of endorphin rush playing that. It's not quite the same. There's not quite getting a sweat on that you do with exercise, with running and going to the gym or doing anything like that. So I did miss it, but I just knew it was going to get better. Did some weights in my garden, started trying to do upper body strength, but it's, it wasn't quite the same. I, I, there's something about, you might feel the same. There's something about going for a run. It's so simple. It's just something. Or going for a walk, which you, you forget. Like even for me, walking to and from the tube station, if I'm getting the tube home, that actually, you, you actually get quite a lot of enjoyment out of that and you don't realize it until you can't do it. And so little thing, I use, um, I have a scooter. Um, you know, one, like not a, a motorized one, mm. you know, not battery powered one, an actual one that you pedal like an adult's version. I got it when my daughter had her little one. But I found that I would have to go everywhere on the scooter. So if we wanted to go to the shops, I'd have to put my broken foot on the scooter. And I wasn't going fast, I was just going at like walking pace with everyone else. But it was the only way I could go out with people because otherwise I'd just be hobbling along or sitting down. So I kind of found that I was doing things like that. Trying to go everywhere with everyone, just making the most of it, just doing anything to take my mind off the fact I was injured. But now, but now you're back running. Yes. Yeah. And how's that been? How's it been so building slow. up again? So slow. <laughs> so slow. And then, um, but it, the good thing is, when you come back, you realise that you can improve, and it's like starting again. And so, I do enjoy it from that point of view. I'm, I'm a little frustrated that I'm not faster, but you know, I've put on a bit of weight from not doing anything as well. So I need to get fit. I've, you know, I'm a bit unto, I'm lost a lot of definition and feel a bit flabby. So it's just a case of getting back to it. But there's no races at the moment, really. I mean, I know I'm doing the Vitality 10K at the moment. I've got, I know that there's loads of half marathons in the spring, but really there's nothing in particular to train for. So it's a brilliant opportunity to try to go to the gym lots, to do small runs, to, you know, just to relax and really enjoy the exercise as opposed to a training program so um for me being back at square one is not a problem at all are you going to try and do more if you're doing the vitality 10k will, do you think you'll try and do more sort of virtual races yeah i'm good i have signed up for quite a few however i, I think actually they're they're really trying hard aren't they to bring a lot of races back next spring so there's a gap over the winter where generally there aren't many races anyway but the next batch look at the moment look like they're happening the marathons have all been pushed back to the autumn but a lot of the half marathons are indeed happening from april time onwards so i don't i think i might have missed out on a lot of the virtual races because i'm injured so um, i'm doing this vitality 10k but otherwise all the other ones 
fingers crossed that they might be happening. So, and what distances do you think you'll, you'll go for? What's your favourite distance? Favourite's half marathon. I love it. Um, I love the, the London marathon. I say the marathon. I refer to the London marathon because it's the only marathon I've ever done. Because I always work on a Monday. So I can't go and do a marathon miles away anywhere else. Um, I mean, I could do the Brighton marathon or whatever, but I've always trained for London. And I'm, so, I'm quite lazy. So it's really easy for me to go to the marathon and then just come home on the tube afterwards. <laughs> So it's just like really easy. It's convenient. Um, I do. I would do one of them a year. I don't think I could do lots of them because of the the training involved. I just don't have. I don't have the time for it. It takes it all out of me. Those four months at the start of the year. But half marathons, I just love. It's so manageable, especially with work life, parenting. I mean, it's nice, isn't it, that there's so many races that look like next year they might be happening. Although who knows? We don't know what's going to happen when it comes to 2021. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I. I'm definitely going to sign up to more virtual ones just in case none of the in real life ones happen, I think. Um, How do you feel about the virtual races? Well, my first one was the virtual London and I absolutely loved it. I I know um, I feel terrible because I know you couldn't do it, could you, this year because of the injury? I know I I couldn't do it at all. I was, and and I felt had major FOMO, but um, I'm really excited for everyone that was doing it. But what a oh my goodness the rain was torrential it was terrible it was absolutely terrible the weather was awful um and I was running up and down a towpath which was very very puddly um but after I'd made the decision to just sort of plow through rather than to kind of circumnavigate the puddles it was just I had wet feet but otherwise it was absolutely fine here's the thing when doing it like this doing the virtual race I feel that there might be less pressure because when you're running in front of crowds it's a brilliant experience and having all the crowd support there is phenomenal but also it feels like there's a pressure to keep going and mm-hmm. sometimes it can it can be too much and quite overwhelming but doing it on your own ground does it mean that you relax and you, you care less about your time or oh god yeah all of those things you're interviewing me now um <laughs> but yeah <laughs> I'm curious <laughs> yeah it was it was lovely it was lovely not to have the crowds at the start line where I would normally get a really kind of wobbly tummy and get really nervous about stuff and just to have my husband and kids popping up like three or four times during the race was all the support I I really needed I didn't need like a huge crowd to cheer me on and the yeah the lack of pressure was lovely and um, because it was a London Marathon there were so many other people doing it lots of local people all wearing their numbers so we were all kind of waving and cheering each other on, which was really, really lovely. So you, you still had that feeling of inclusivity and, you know, everyone doing the same thing. So, yeah, it was brilliant. Oh, I'm really pleased. See, that's, that's one thing I really like, the fact that when you're doing it, they give you your number to wear. And so people can, you can see other people that are doing it, you can cheer them on, and people acknowledge that you're doing an event, you're not just out running. I'm, I think it's good. You can choose your own route, which is yeah. such a privilege, really, to be able to do it on the, a route that you're comfortable with or one that you know well. Or, or one that's incredibly flat. Yeah. I like on this downhill, but I haven't found one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you ever done the Loch Ness 10K? No, I've heard it's brilliant, though. It's amazing. And ever so slightly downhill. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> I know quite a lot of people. There's a, there's a half marathon and a marathon as well. And um, I know a lot of people that have done the marathon. I loved every minute of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I would love to do the marathon, but I know that there is a sopping great hill towards yeah, the end of it. Downhill, there must be an uphill somewhere. <laughs> oh, I don't know. 
um can we is it all right if we talk about your career in tv and radio because um yeah as i said i was when i was doing a bit of a stalk on you and um and discovering that you were first on tv as a contestant on blind date i was like oh my god that's my favorite (laughs) i love that how did that happen like how did you go from being a contestant on blind date to presenting well, uh, well, I auditioned for Blind Date when I was at school. I was, I was, I just turned eighteen, and we heard the Blind Date auditions had come to Reading, where I was at school, and I, we were all like, me and my friends at school. One lunch break, we went, should we all do it? So, and yeah, so after school, in our school uniforms, we went and auditioned for Blind Date, and um, somehow I was the one that got through the net and got through to the next rounds. But it's like an x-factor audition process you had to kind of keep auditioning and they whittled it down they sent you to boot camp and it's crazy really how many thousands of people auditioned and a few got on and then one day I was at I was at home and I got the call that I had made it through to the, to the show so it was just after I'd done my a-levels and I went off and did it and there were to be honest I think everyone when I was growing up everyone loved the idea of being a television presenter or something I I loved the idea and I used to always make little home videos in my garden, but genuinely never thought I'd become one. I genuinely wanted to go to, I wanted to be an architect in Spain. For some reason, I had to be an architect in Spain because I like Spanish. <laughs> I was going to uni to study Spanish, Italian and Latin. It was kind of my plan was to do languages. Went into Blind Day and my head was totally turned by the whole filming process. Not not the glamour of, you know, of being treated well on this date because, you know, if essentially myself and the guy that I chose, we were, we were being treated really well. It wasn't that. It was the actual filming process. I just loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved, I loved being on the live shows. I loved because they filmed it as live. I loved, you know, my interaction with Scylla. But more than anything, I loved making the films when we were on location. So I said to them, I'd really like to do this as a career. And they just rolled their eyes and went... <laughs> join the queue so uh, we fi- finished filming I went back to home went to uni started uni in Leeds at Leeds and basically went to the local tv studios straight away and just said you know I'd love to do some work experience so just did months and months of work experience on Sunday mornings Saturday mornings and then blind date went out at Christmas and they they heard they, they found out I was going to be on it made quite big news actually because blind date was so huge, like twenty odd million watching every episode. Mm. So we made like the covers of the newspapers. It was insane. And the radio station and the TV station that I was doing work experience just asked me to do interviews. Yeah. I did and I said I wanted to be a presenter. And a producer from BBC Scotland was in the area listening and heard me and said, "Well, got in touch. Might come up for an audition." And I got the job. Yeah. And so it was relatively, actually, quite fate and. Simple, simple to get started. The hard part has been staying in because as I have got older and, you know, the longer I've been in the business, there are more and more people coming in. So, I mean, I was the youngest person around. I was 18 and not many 18-year-olds were presenting. But now people are starting younger. People are coming from all different backgrounds. There's, diff- you know, there's people that have become from YouTube, from TikTok. There's there's a whole load of people out there competing for very few jobs on hundreds of channels. So actually it's harder now than it was then, but yeah, it's quite lucky the way it started. And so, and what did you move into to begin with? So I, so I did a, a show on BBC Scotland, which was kind of a spoof 
you know, remember those shows Tarrant on TV where he took the mick out of adverts? I did a show like that mm-hmm. in Scotland for the Old Alliance, which is the, the link between Scotland and France. I did a show there, and then I auditioned for a series called The Big Country, which was a bit like a tra- a bit like an adult Blue Peter with a bit of travel show all around Scotland. Mm. And I did that from, I got that just after I turned 19. And I did that until, for three years in Scotland. And then I was, I moved back to Leeds where I was at uni. And I started presenting Yorkshire Television. Um, and I got a job for ITV out of Yorkshire, which was called 3D, which was documentaries and um, a bit like The Tonight Show now. So it was an ITV. And then I did a consumer show, a bit like Watchdog for ITV. Then I started doing the holiday show for BBC. Then I moved to London and I got GMTV. So I got GMTV in 2000. And I'd already been presenting about five years, so I've kind of been building up slowly. Yeah. So it's, and, then, and then I've just I've kind of done everything from live, from news, to lifestyle, to travel, to property, and I've just and entertainment. It's been really nice, actually. And your, but, your, but your day job has recently moved into, well, not recently, you've moved into radio. Yeah, so eight years ago, um, I just had my daughter and I was doing a lot of, so I, after giving birth to Ella, I was doing a show called Fantasy Homes by the Sea. And I would be, my, she was only a few months old and my mum would come and help out. So I would go away week on, week off and my mum would look after her. And actually it's quite difficult. It's easy when she's a baby, when Ella was a baby, but if I was going to be away week on, week off, it's quite difficult to be a parent. And James also was having, was finding that he was having to give jobs up because he had to be at home because we, there weren't two parents at home. So it was, it was quite difficult. So the aim was to find more work being at home. And I would do things like this morning in my week at home, but really there wasn't much. So anyway, I thought I'd, thought I'd investigate radio. I'd never done radio in my life. I'd done almost 20 years in television, but no radio. And I was terrified. And I went for a demo, did a demo. They liked it, got me a show on, on heart, but it was very early in the morning. So I started, I was at four till 6 a.m. slot. So what, what time does that mean getting up? 2.30. It's brilliant for being a mum at home. It it was amazing because it meant that I I got to bed early. It's not like I was missing much. I'd have a great job and then I could be at home during the day. And it was just brilliant. But then Ella started going to school and I could do other work during the day. But I just was shattered, (laughs) permanently jet lagged. Um, And then this year I started, I got a new job um, at Smooth. I'm now the breakfast show host on Smooth. And those hours are amazing so a still dream job in terms of being on breakfast radio it's live um and it's six till ten the hours so it's brilliant really so so what time are you getting up now 4 30 it's a total lion like <laughs> life changing after eight years of getting up at 2 30 i'm back to 4 30 which is what i did for breakfast telly for all those years so it's absolutely fine <laughs> I guess. What time do you get up at the weekend? Do you do you find yourself waking up like automatically at half four? So on a Saturday, I'm on the radio from ten till one. So on Saturday, it's like I don't have to get up till eight o'clock in the morning. It's fine. And on a Sunday, I I only wake up when I wake up. But by the way, you know that can be ten o'clock. I don't. I wake up when an alarm goes. Really, if the alarm doesn't go, I just. I don't think I would wake up ever unless, you know, I, I don't sleep with the curtains shut because otherwise I would never be awake. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And I, I mean, I, I wanted to ask about how you fit in your running around your work and your family. But I mean, you, you've already said that you run commute, which I think is such a clever as a smart way, isn't it, of fitting your exercise in around your life. Yeah, it's the only way I could do it, I think. I mean, when I was finishing work at 6.30, which is what I used to finish on heart, I, it was easy. I'd commute, I could go to the gym, I could go to classes. It was, it was just very easy because you'd go to those morning classes. But now I finish at 10, it's, I miss all the morning classes. And then I'm, I'm not going to go to a, the gym in the evening because that's when I pick up Ella. So, yeah, you've, got, you've just got to find a schedule and a routine that works for you, whatever job you do. You know, if you do a night shift, then you might be able to do the mornings. If you, if you work days, you've got that real struggle. Do you get up early and do something or do you go later? Do you go at lunchtime? Well, for me, I just try and do it as a commute. I think it, it works well. And so today I ran with a rucksack so I could carry some essentials. But quite often, I literally just go to work in my running kit. I tie a jumper around my waist. I have a phone on my arm. What else do I need? My lipstick I sometimes shove in my pocket and my pass for work. But I mean, I'm, I, I literally go to work with nothing. I don't, I don't need anything. Everything's there. I don't need to take a handbag with a full makeup <laughs> set. So it's fine. And um, prior to your injury, during lockdown, were you working from home or were you still working in the office? I worked from home for a short period of time, but then I was working from the office. So, oh, did you run in central London during lockdown? It was incredible. What I mean, what a privilege. So I was working because we were... We were kind of classed as key workers because the radio was still ongoing. So we were still allowed to go to the studio and um, for until a certain point, And then we had to work from home. So I was going into work. There was nobody, nobody in town. Nobody, I wouldn't see anyone. I'd leave home, I'd go to work. There would be absolutely not a soul. And then I'd finish work at 10 a.m. And I'd run home and again... I would not see a soul. I ran down the mall one day. There was nobody. It's 10, 10.30 in the morning. I stopped outside Buckingham Palace and I took a video. Nobody. And this was like a weekday, 10.30 in the morning. Nothing. Like nobody around. And it was just bizarre. Westminster, Piccadilly. The, the whole of London was a ghost town. It was like when you watch those films, you know, zombie films, and everyone's gone into hiding. That's what it was like. Yeah, I mean, did you find it quite eerie? Yeah, really eerie. But it was also really hot and sunny. So it was beautiful weather. It wasn't like it was a really kind of haunting, dark evening with smog everywhere, which is kind of what these horror films would usually be set like. It was just a beautiful, sunny day, very hot, nobody around. (laughs) So, I mean, so you clearly found it quite easy to maintain your fitness and your running during lockdown. Well, unfortunately, I... I stopped doing weights, um, which I think was to my detriment because that contributed to my injury because I found that all I was doing was running. So I was repeating the same, whatever whatever I was doing, the running style I ad- adapted and adopted during during lockdown from excessive running was triggered the injury along with not doing weights to kind of, because people forget that actually doing weights really helps keep your upper body strong, keeps your legs strong and actually any weakness up high kind of has reflects on injuries down below. So my foot, my foot really, well, it, unfortunately it got, it got badly injured and got fractured as a result of yeah. not doing the right things. So it was great being able to run so much, but I probably, I probably ran too much and didn't do enough of the other stuff. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's probably something that all runners are guilty of doing quite a lot, unfortunately. Out of the habit of it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was reading that um, over lockdown, um, you managed to persuade your husband, or perhaps he persuaded himself, to take up or to do a bit of running as well. Is that? It's, it's absolutely unheard of that he goes running. <laughs> and during lockdown, not only did he start running, I mean, he will not go running with me. He won't even... If I go running in the morning, he goes running as late in the evening as possible. He really likes running at night when it's dark. And I'm, I'm trying to get him out of that because he hasn't got loads of reflective clothes. And I'm like, you've got to be careful. But he likes it. He says he prefers at night when no one can see him. And actually, I've interviewed so many people from my podcast who say the same. Running at night is the best time to start because it's almost like you build up your confidence. Loads of people have started that way. Um, so that's what he likes to do. And he's gone from doing like a couple of kilometers to 5k you can do it without stopping and in fact he signed up to the vitality 10k which is a miracle I mean he will not do it when I'm around obviously but he's he's going to do that which is massive that's huge I mean my husband doesn't run at all and um it's yeah I, I wondered you know how you felt about that about um because I've sometimes found that a bit of a struggle to be the only person that's passionate about running in my family. Well, apart from kids just running around sort of thing, because it's kind of, um, you know, there's just a, a you know, non-runners look at runners with that very quizzical, what, what are you doing? Why are you going out? What's, and they don't understand. You're like, I've got to go for my run. Why? <laughs> Why do you have to go for a run? You know, just take a day off and you're like, no, I can't. And I, I don't think non-runners get it. My parents are the same. When, when I got injured, my dad went, well, that's good. Maybe you can stop running now. I'm like, I don't think so. Just going to wait till I'm recovered. Then I'm going to get back out there. But yeah, so James started running and quite quickly got it, which was good because he's always understood that I have this need to go running, even on holiday I need to go for my run, otherwise I'll just be in a mood all day. Mm. So he's quite understanding. But here's the thing. Now he's doing it. He needs to go for a run. And I'm like, no, 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 I, I need to go. And he's like, I'm going. And we, have to, we have to now like bagsy the time. So luckily I can run on the way home. And when Ella's at school, it's fine. But if Ella's at home because of like lockdown, I'd be saying, well, when am I going to go for a run? He's going, well, you've been working. I'm going out now. So we used to squabble. And it's the same with golf now. So I'm like, I need to go and play golf. And he's like, I, he's just started. I'm going to play golf. And I'm like, no, I want to play. And he's like, you've already played this week. It's my turn. We have now fights. And whose turn it is to go running? Whose turn it is to go bloom and play golf? So, yeah, it's great when they understand. But also it's quite irritating because... <laughs> that moment when they sit at home and look after the kids no they won't do that anymore <laughs> but but you've been running you've been running for ages haven't you I mean when did when did you first take it up so I started running um it was properly when I was about 20 so I was working in Scotland doing a show called the big country and I was at university in Leeds and the two of them didn't work well together in terms of keeping me fit and healthy. So I'd be going to uni, and when I was there, we'd go to the union, and we'd all be drinking snake bites and black. And then I'd go up to Scotland, and we'd be in the car, traveling around, and we'd be eating licorice, all sorts. That was the, the, the suite of choice. Basically, I just put on an absolute ton of weight. And my mum turned around and went, I'm going to tell you, because no one else will, 
but you've put on a lot of weight. And I think I'd, I would have gone up to like a size 16 or something. So, you know, it's not, not shameful, but in a year to have gone from like a size 12 to size 16 was quite a jump. And um, I'm pleased she told me because kind of it was just it was just kind of getting carried away and I didn't really notice until I couldn't fit anything and so I just thought well I need to do something I'm going to start running and that's that's that was basically what started it and I wanted to do some exercise but I couldn't the aim was to run for half an hour I couldn't even run for half an hour so the aim was to run half an hour without stopping took me ages and I started in Glasgow and it was freezing and I came back with I was wearing like big baggy tracksuit bottoms dreadful trainers big jumpers I mean gloves I I had the entire wrong kit and I would come back my legs would be like you know like corned beef oh it was so cold outside I had blotchy red legs felt amazing and it took me a couple of months to run half an hour and then I had to try and get quicker, run further. And within a couple of years, I was running much further, maybe doing 10K, running an hour. And then it just kept kept building. And then I'd just run from my mum and dad's house way out of town to go and visit friends, sit and have a cup of tea, and then run home again. I just loved it, just loved the way it made me feel. And by that time, it wasn't about weight loss. It wasn't about anything. It wasn't about anything. It was just about the way I felt, getting out there. Probably without realising it then, it was all about... Um, mental health and mental clarity, but certainly wouldn't have used that, like mental health. I wouldn't have used those buzzwords then. I just really enjoyed it. And I knew what I got out of it. It sounds as though you approached it really sensibly, like the kind of the building up to running for half an hour and building up your sort of distances and stuff. Did you find that um, you weren't getting injured, that you were sort of, you know, going further and further without kind of injuring yourself? Yeah, I think that was the case. And by the way, there was no, it wasn't like you had a smartphone or you had the internet. I was, it was, it would have been 1995, 96 time, you know, and 1920, when I was 1920. And you just, you just literally have to guess how to do it or buy a magazine, buy a, run, buy a running magazine um, and just hope that there would be some kind of advice in there because you wouldn't, you wouldn't have got it any other way. And so that was it. Or just asking people, what mm. should I do? And no one went to gyms either, really. So it wasn't like you could go and ask a personal trainer how to get started. So it was just a case of building up slowly. And when I'd go away on shoots, I'd always take my trainers. And sometimes like the cameraman would come out for a run with me when we were away for a few days. And so it just got me into having a different kind of routine in my day. So instead of staying up late with the crew in the bar, till God knows when, and then having a lion and coming down and eating a big breakfast, I would go to bed a bit earlier get up in the morning before everyone else, go for a run. When they're all having their big breakfast, I'd be kind of completely recovering from my run and grab something healthy to go when we left. So actually it changed my entire attitude to food, to um, to bedtime, to hanging out in the bar till the small hours. You know, it just gave me a different outlook, actually a much healthier outlook. And not because I wanted to um to diet at all just because I enjoyed the running so much I wanted to make sure I was able to do it I think I think that's absolutely fascinating I love I can I can thoroughly agree with that I mean my experience is very similar in that adjusting one part of your life or kind of including a bit of running into your life can have this massive kind of holistic like huge change to everything to the to the way that you look at food in a much more healthy way so 
you know you're not sort of dieting not trying to lose weight or anything but you just sort of think actually I do need food to kind of to work with me rather than you know you you know you sort of realize that having you know two or three glasses of wine the night before are not great for your next morning's run and and stuff like that is you sort of suddenly realize that that um your life is enhanced massively holistically because of going for that you know three times a run three times a week sort of run um so that sounds very similar to you I think it's um I I desperately try and kind of explain to our audience that this is something that um that you can do that that running has this incredible effect on your life doesn't it I think I think I really think it does and also you can have you know you can enjoy nice food and naughty foods and you can have a drink and you can you can do all those things but running to me is is so important and it makes me feel so good that actually I would prioritize that and so even if I am going to stay up late I'll still get up early and it'll be harder but I will still get up early and go for that run and actually then maybe the next time I'll be like right it was a one-off because I prefer to get up early. I, I I wouldn't ever sacrifice going for that run if I'm on a shoot and going away filming. I'd always do it because I just know I'll get so much more out of it. And also by by doing the exercise, everything else balances out. Now, nutrition is possibly the, the bit I need the most help. I do need help with nutrition. I'm rubbish. I'm a terrible cook. I, I like biscuits. <laughs> like, I like a glass of wine as well, but... I'm just not very good at eating the right things. I think it probably contributes to to why I don't get faster and don't feel fitter. And if I maybe sat down and was very strict with my diet, I would probably feel the benefit. But I find it quite hard to do that. Yeah, but a joy of food is another thing entirely, isn't it? And I think, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm also a massive biscuit lover. And I do, I have this kind of thing in my head that, that I think to myself, well, if it's got oats in it, is that's that- kind of- that's all right, isn't it? So basically, hobnobs, fine. <laughs> I always am like this, I'm burning it off. But there are days when you don't burn it off. And by the way, I had 12 weeks of injury where I wasn't burning. I mean, I wasn't even walking anywhere. I was bur- but I was still eating. And this is where it started getting going wrong. I was going, oh, no, this is, I can feel my jeans getting tighter. Not. And it makes you realize how much you're burning when you're just running on a daily basis. You yeah. Actually, you're doing quite a lot. Um, and so, um, so you, you, you started your running, you, you kind of, you, you, you took to it like a duck to water and eventually you decided to sign up for the London marathon. By the way, I didn't take to it like a duck to water. I just really oh. enjoyed it. I kept, I just pushed, kept going. And, um, and the long, I used to run quite a long way on, like in my own time, I used to run, probably do half a marathon sometimes on a day, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm going to go out and run 12 miles. All I'd say is, I'm going to run to there and back again. And I wouldn't really realize the distance because again, I wouldn't have had a, wouldn't have had a watch that would tell me. I'd just then have to go home and work it out on the map. Yeah. Or I, sometimes I go and drive it and see what the, the clock said. I'm like, oh, oh, I used to do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, I ran much further than I thought. I quite often run like 13, 14 miles and not having realized but I'd never signed up for a race. I'd never even done a 5K, nothing. And then uh, I used to talk on the television. I used to talk when I used to host on GMTV. I used to talk about running and talk about how I'd love to do the marathon, but genuinely never, ever, ever meant it. Oh, yeah, I'd love to do the marathon. No, I wouldn't. Um, I just <laughs> run on a treadmill, and that's all I used to do. I used to run. They used to call me the Terminator at my local David Lloyd. I used to just get go to the gym and do an hour, maybe two hours on the treadmill. 
every other day because I loved it and I'd watch telly and I'd always do it when the marathon was on. So I used to always say I'd love to do the marathon. And then one year someone heard me and went, okay, here's a space. And by way, I was like, oh, <laughs> I actually have to do it. So I did and I, I loved the whole process. And When I was that? What year was that that you did uh, your first? Uh, it was 2009. And, and you, did you, was your, how was your training? So I, I had no idea how to do it. I literally did a training program that I found on like London Marathon website um, or in a magazine or in like a, the training magazine that you get at the start when you find out you've got your place. There might have been a training guide in there. I did that. I had no idea what to do otherwise. So I just followed this program. I kind of for the intermediate runner, because I was like, I'm not a beginner, definitely not advanced intermediate just go for it and I got um 352 first or 353 <sighs> first marathon so I was really pleased didn't stop once kept running the whole way oh no I did I stopped three times in the toilet I, I did I stopped and you still got 352 that's amazing I was really pleased and so um then the next year I thought right I'm going to train a bit more and I signed up with a, I got a, a a brilliant woman called Karen Weir she still trains people now she trained me so she trained me with weights twice a week and gave me a running program and I got it down to 331 so I was aiming for 330 I was really annoyed and then she was training me we were going to do 315 I knew I would have got 315 I would I was I was definitely on an upward slope to getting faster and then I got fell pregnant so um uh I I so I didn't I missed out that year and then Ella was born end of September and I did the marathon in April and I got exactly 353 again <laughs> so it was amazing so it kind of it kind of went back to square one never got 331 again though oh <laughs> and w- so how many London marathons have you done now um I've done eight this year would have been my ninth had it not been injured so mm. it's a shame so nine, number nine will be next year and uh, uh which which of them has been the most special uh, my fastest <laughs> I think <Yeah>. that was <laughs> Um, I and the reason and everyone obviously would you shouldn't necessarily remember the one that you got your PB but I do remember it because I trained really hard I was entirely committed I was running five times a week I was doing big weights twice a week I was probably actually leaner I, I looking back I was quite unhealthily thin actually which um, I didn't couldn't even see at the time just thought I was really I was so fast and so strong but super skinny but I looked like probably a runner which is probably why I did well I was definitely I was at least I was probably a stone lighter than I am now and um but I trained really really hard I I didn't go out I mean I just committed to it and on the day I ran the same pace the whole way didn't struggle felt amazing and I just slowed down at the end to to be one second like I was 331 and one second two seconds quicker and I'd have been on my target time so wow I feel I feel that that was the best because everything went to plan so every other year I've just turned up and hoped for the best really (laughs) and what's it like what's what what's so special about the London Marathon um, well, it, it's such an iconic race and it's such a privilege to be able to run it. And now, don't get me wrong, there are many, many marathons everywhere that you could do anywhere in the world. There are so many. I'd love to, I'd love to run Paris. I'd love to run New York. I'd love to run all these, these marathons. Um, but for me, London is, is, 
is hugely convenient. I live in London. So there's something really exciting about running around your own, the city you live in, no traffic on the road, just thousands of people running with you, all going the same way, all cheering each other on. The camaraderie is amazing. The support from the crowd is unbelievable. When I first did the marathon in 2009, there were virtually no crowds in some areas. You know, it was it was void of, of support. Nowadays, there's not one part of the race where there isn't like a huge crowd cheering you on. So it's it's quite phenomenal how in 10 years it's changed entirely. Uh, I just think it's I just think it's a great event. I love it. I think it's so well organized and so well put together. It's such a privilege to be able to run it and raise money for charity and draw attention to some great charitable projects. So um, no, that's I think I love it for that reason. I've worked on the, the Brighton Marathon a few times. And so I've always been really kind of tempted to sign up for that because I've seen how brilliant that is. And loads of people get PBs. Mm. Loads on it. No, no, no. It's um isn't it out and back as well? So it's very, very flat and fast. Yeah, flat and fast. As long as you don't have the wind going against you as you run along the seafront. But every year I covered it for Channel 4. It was beautiful, glorious weather. And it starts off quite rainy. But by the time you're crossing the finish line, it feels like a hot summer's day. And um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful race. Everyone finishes smiling. Yeah, it's something that I have been tempted to do. My mum lives down in Hove. So it's kind of like, I should, I should. It would be so easy. But um, yeah, well, maybe next year. There you go. <laughs> it's just been pushed back. I think it's three weeks before London. So there you go. Do do Brighton and then you'll be ready for London. <laughs> Is that what you plan to do? Uh, well, I say that. I don't know. I'd, I'd actually, because how would you feel? Do you ever do that thing where you do a marathon or a half marathon, whatever the race is? You've trained for it. You've worked hard. You do it. And then you finish. And then the next day you go, I wish it was next week because I feel ready now. It's yeah. like a retreat run. So maybe that is a good way to do it. Maybe you should sign up for two back-to-back because then you could see the first one as your big training run. Yeah, with three weeks between, that's kind of, yeah. you know, you, you just have to do a double taper, wouldn't you, I guess? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. No chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were talking about the charities um, that you've run for. So, so there, there are clearly a couple that are close to your heart. Which ones have you picked? Which ones do you run for? I've run, I've run for quite a few different charities, but ones that are repeatedly, repeatedly, um, I've run repeatedly for are the Children's Trust, who I'm now, I've run for them a few times, so now they've, they've made me an ambassador, actually, of the charity, so it helps children with brain damage. So, I mean, just even simple things like um, like a child slipped by the edge of the pool, and that can lead to severe brain damage or being knocked down by a car. And my daughter was actually hit by a car a couple of years ago, and um, so they'd asked me to be an ambassador around the same time as well. So I felt, I felt that actually it was... I completely got what, where they were coming from because if Ella had, because she she could have been someone that needed to go there, had it not been just her legs that were damaged. Thank goodness it wasn't her brain, you know. Um, so the the Children's Trust is something that I'm very proud to be associated with. Um, and then I, I've also run for some cha- cancer charities because there are some, you know, some amazing ones. Click Sergeant, which helps children with cancer. And then also uh, Cancer Research UK. Oh, lovely. And um, so did, have you found that your daughter, you've mentioned her because I, I did see that she'd had that, that awful, she broke her leg 
um, as a result, didn't she? Which sounded she was really, terrifying. Really, really lucky that I mean, it was horrific that that happened. She's really lucky that that was all that happened. So, um, she's she you know she did that. She she injured herself. She was in hospital for a week. She was in a wheelchair for three months. She had to. She had to, she's a gymnast. So she had to put all of that on hold for almost a year. She never once complained. Isn't that amazing? She was, mm. was, it was just the week before she turned seven, I think it was now, thinking back. Amazing. She, she had her birthday in hospital. Never once complained. It was incredible. Children are amazing. And now she's fully recovered. So she's, she's back to normal. Is she inspired by your exercise? Do you, I mean, you say that she does gymnastics. Is, is that because you've encouraged her to sort of exercise, to move more? As yeah, a result of your own experience. I, I, I love the fact that she's into moving around. She doesn't want to go for long runs, by the way, at all. I've tried. <laughs> she's not really into running. Um, she'll cycle beside me when I run, but uh, she doesn't want to go out and go out running at all. Uh, but gymnastics, oh, my God. I mean, we've got uh, behind here, there's a gymnastics mat there. The garden is basically it's set up now so she can just do gymnastics all day long if she wants to. She, she's been doing virtual gymnastics in lockdown. She has goes to gymnastics. She goes about four classes a week. She's at gymnastics camp now. So yeah, that's her life. And I love it. I love the fact she's found something she's really passionate about and proud, and proud to be involved with because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. If a child shows an interest in some kind of sport, let them do it as much as they want and as much as they can because it might not last forever just important I think that they 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 get their head into the discipline of doing sport and they enjoy doing exercise is that what you had at school were you quite sporty at school yeah I mean I was I literally was jack of all trades and master of nothing at all I did gymnastics trampolining did trampolining for Berkshire I mean I think I came last in every single competition I once didn't come last but that's because there were only like two other people I came I came third I think and there were no I came I didn't come last I did come last but probably came third and got a little medal for it um I did hockey I was captain of the hockey team for a while netball tennis I did everything I just wasn't ever brilliant at any of them <laughs> but you but you think that your your daughter is well yeah I hope she's really good at gymnastics and I I just think it's good to try your hand at all these things. I don't know if your kids do any, show any indication they want to do something, but Ellis loved gymnastics since she was about three or four when we put her in one of those little kiddie classes. And if someone shows an interest in doing it, let them carry on for as long as they can. Yeah, I get, I get very little interest from my kids in any <laughs> kind of movement. But, um, but I think what's great is kind of the, the, the normalizing of, of running and of exercise because I'm going out the door kind of practically every day to do something. Um, that's very, very normal. So, um, and over lockdown, there's been a lot of joining in with kind of Zoom boot camps and things like that. There's lots of some hilarious downward dogs and um, oh, yeah. whatnot going on. <laughs> yeah, my daughter loves doing all that. She loves it. If I'm doing like a workout here, she wants to join in. She sat in, when we would do weights in the garden in the summer, get involved. She has like a dumbbell with virtually like one kilogram and she'd be doing that. She just, she can hold the plank for about 10 minutes. It's really irritating. Her, her um, gymnastics classes are like, I used to go to CrossFit. Her warm-up is like a CrossFit class. And 
I struggle with her warm up. So um, I say to her, Ella, I just need to, she's got, she's got a sick little six pack. She's only, she's only nine. But um, I say, I need to get a stomach like yours. And she goes, right, we need to start with plank, mommy. And I'm like, <laughs> she's really, she's really fit, but she knows, yeah, it's just normal for her. She sees me going out and doing exercise. She now sees James going out and doing a run. We wear, we wear sportswear all the time. I like it. I just, I don't want her to think that it's not normal to do exercise. Yeah, yeah, sure. I can totally understand that. Um, so um, I'd like to talk to you about Rumpod because oh. um, for once you're on the other side of the interview. So it must feel a bit weird, I guess. Um, <laughs> but right. when did when did Rumpod start and, and, um, and what's that been like? Uh, so... I run my commute home, you know, I've told you that. And so one day on my run home, I was listening to podcasts and I was listening to a couple that are, that are really good and really successful, but I just, I found them quite hard work to listen to on a run and I'm not very interesting and didn't keep me motivated whilst I was running. And as successful as these podcasts are, it wasn't what I wanted to listen to whilst I was running. And I kind of got, got over listening to the same playlist of music all the time. And I was listening to radio, but sometimes sometimes a song came on that I didn't want to listen to. So I was like, oh, I need something else. And so I just thought, I need to create a running podcast. Now, there, there are a few really good running podcasts out there, but some of them are quite technical or some of them are quite focused on giving you really good advice for running. And But I wanted something that was just feel good and that just motivated you. And so I thought, right, I'm going to I'm gonna come up with my own. So I... I, I did. That was it. It was simple as that. And I got in touch with my friend, Ben Shepherd, And I said, I'm doing a podcast. Will you come and do a pilot with me? And he went, yeah, sure. And in fact, the pilot ended up going out as one of the first episodes. And uh, we just we just sat and chatted about running. And that was it. There's no, there's no rules. There's no nothing. All we do is we have a chat about running and why you love it. And that is it. And everyone has a different reason for loving running. And everyone has a different reason for starting much like we've spoken about, and that is it. And when you listen to that while you run, sometimes it reminds you while you're running, and also someone's giving you tips or they're encouraging you to keep going, it helps. And that basically was the reason. I wanted to have something that would keep me going, and that's it. And then now we've been going well over 100 episodes, started last April. I think I've missed one week because I wanted to go on holiday and I hadn't recorded us and enough enough episodes to put one out. So we've missed one week in all that time. And uh, yeah, I just love it. It's been going really well. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Because I think um, runners love talking about running, don't they? So, <laughs> And everyone, runners like bond. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. If you meet another runner... You can chat about running. Now, it could be someone that's just started running could be chatting to Paula Radcliffe, but they'll still want to ask Paula about trainers or ask her, did you do this? You know, it doesn't matter who you are or do you, do you go this route or, oh, did you enjoy your run today? Everyone just can talk about running till the cows come home, really. I know it's brilliant. I mean, I can I can ask the same questions every single week. You know, what did you eat for breakfast? Where do you run? Yeah, what what trainers are you wearing? And I find the answers so incredibly fascinating, <laughs> even if the answer is always porridge, or you know, <laughs> along the Thames or Brooks or whatever. Even if those the the answers are exactly the same, it's like, oh right, okay. Well, what do you have on your porridge? You know. <laughs> It's, it's, it's interesting to hear and also you get you learn from other people and what they do yeah. you your own game 
Yeah, I think um, one of my favourite times was um, in January, I went to the National Running Show and there was a sort of dinner in the evening where there was, I don't know, maybe 200 people and um, some were exhibitors, some were runners. Um, well, everyone was a runner, I think, is the thing. Some were kind of ultra runners, some were um, more kind of ploddy runners like me. But it just meant that every single place that you turned, you would sat next to a runner and you could ask them running questions and it was just it was but you could just see us all kind of geeking out massively (laughs) about distance and pace and cadence I love that I love the whole the national running show so I'm going to be at the next one I cannot wait to do it um I love the fact that going to the national running show and someone who's not a runner going I mean for them god it must be like hell mustn't it you'd think I always think it must be easy to convert a non-runner and I just I can't understand why someone wouldn't want to run. I just, yeah. but then runners can't, non-runners can't understand why on earth we would want to. But it's it's funny. It's the same the other way around. It, oh, it's, it's brilliant going there because everyone is so happy. Everyone's so nice because they're all runners. So they're all just basically lovely people. Um, but I, I can't remember if I've mentioned this on a podcast before, but I think one of the things that I loved so much about it was that while there were massive queues to go and see these legendary runners, the biggest queue of all was for the flapjacks. And also that show, the running show, started small and it's going from strength to strength. It is huge now. Oh God, there was a storm. We, we set up our stall and, um, and then you get this little announcement saying, right, we're opening the doors now. And it's just, it's ridiculous. They sort of flood in. It was, uh, you know, all these very, very happy runners running in to get their flapjacks and buy their shoes. <laughs> This is the thing. This is the same with my podcast, Run Pod. And um, when I first started, so many people went, it's a bit niche. And I'm like, yes, it is a bit niche because podcasts are niche. However, I think you underestimate how many runners there are out there. They're like, I don't think they're, they're like, mm, it, I don't know if it'll really fly. And I'm like, there are quite a lot of runners. There really are. There really are. Look at all the fitness brands, running clothes fly. Look at all the magazines. They, you know, thousands upon thousands of people buy them and but they still weren't sure but I mean the running show as well it's people do love running more people this year as well have run than ever before yeah it's, it's been lovely this year I mean you know you have to kind of find your silver linings where they are where they are kind of thing um but it has been absolutely lovely to see how many people have taken up running lots and lots and lots of beginners this year yeah and so much so that I actually launched a, a a running app this year as well and um, it made I mean it made sense I got a podcast I love running I bore everyone to death with it what else can we do an app there we go <laughs> fitness range next that's my next day um, so yeah this running app is called start to run and it's brilliant because yes I know we've got couch to 5k and lots of people you know love that well this is an alternative to couch to 5k but better this will take you beyond that so we've got seven and a half k 10k we've got seven and a half miles 10 miles half marathon marathon so I mean there are so many programs there that can help you train for whatever the distance is or just help you build up the confidence because within each distance as well there's intermediate and advanced levels so and um, what's the experience of listening to it what's what, what what's the journey you don't like my voice unfortunately that's where you're going to struggle because I will pop up every now and again but the good thing is so sometimes I'll use it I'll just run 
And I won't necessarily follow a program. I'll just do a free run. And every, I set it to every five minutes. It'll tell me how far I've run, um, what speed I'm going at, and how many calories I've burned. But all of those, it's quite good to know what speed you're running at. And I know you can look at your watch and whatever, but it saves you even looking down and obsessing about you're smart, you're like your GPS. You can just run and every now and again, it'll tell you what the distance you've covered. Um, also, it'll give you running, I'll give you running tips as you're going. So I might give you a little tip here and there, how to improve or how to nourish yourself at the end when you get home. Um, also, you can put the program on and then we might say, okay, run fast for the next five minutes. Then after five minutes, okay, ease off a little bit now. So actually it's it's quite good. It'll vary your training program. Instead of just going out, doing the same run, being quite monotonous, it will vary it up for you. Switch things up and help you improve. What's the feedback been like? Been really good actually so far because you never know how people are going to are going to take to it because everyone has their own way of doing things. But we've had and I get feedback directly to me via Instagram. And I've had so many amazing comments from people. Um what's really nice is sometimes I get lovely comments from people talking about RunPod and how it's helped them. I get I get quite I get comments on a on a daily basis, but now I've started getting comments from people who are using Start to Run and just saying things like, you know, I've run my first five K, I can't believe it can't believe I've actually got here and um, it's a 12-week program to do the 5k so you can you know you can start a bit further on in the program if you want to if you don't need to start from scratch but yeah a lot of people have done it and they've gone on to now do 10k with the help of the app as well so it's been brilliant. D- did you work with running coaches and personal trainers to develop it? So um, there's an actual, there's a company who they've developed it with running coaches um, from Belgium. And what they did was they wanted to work with me and bring it here to the UK. So what we did was we were able to test it um, by using the, the existing programs they had. So there was a bit of a, a period of time where we had to get it translated because I was like, quite fluent in Belgium but um so that was the process so they'd already designed all those running programs because that was something that I wanted to make sure was absolutely spot on so I did a a, a kind of an equivalent on RunPod as well for a while and I worked with a coach called Faisal and we had to make sure that we got the running programs spot on because you don't want to set someone up on this journey that's impossible or that's dangerous or that's actually really boring, or that's really or it's too easy. So you want to make sure that it's it's challenging enough to to achieve something, but challenging enough to want to come back, challenging enough to achieve it, but also not too challenging that you're not going to want to go beyond first episode. So um, with this one, it was, I mean, obviously there are so many programs. I think there might be about 40 programs on there, depending on all the different levels. So it's really good. So there, there must be thousands and thousands of runners out there that are running listening to your voice like whether it's you on the radio or you on your podcast or you on the app that's it so there's some people have got in touch and went I've got to say I like listening to start to run I like listening to run pod but run pod and start to run is a bit overwhelming because you can't <laughs> listening to run pod where I'm interviewing someone and every now and again I'll go you have no run <laughs> like an overload (laughs) (laughs) Um, so if if there are all these thousands of runners that are out there listening to you helping them run or you interviewing people what do you listen to when you're running 
Um, so I know it's weird, isn't it? So I have I have um, started to run on the background, so I know how far I've run. So sometimes it's a bit weird. I do sometimes have to listen to RunPod when I'm running because I have to listen to an episode back before it goes out just in case it needs any amends. So um, sometimes I'm listening to that. Um, but I also listen to podcasts. I've got playlists. So if I'm on holiday, I might listen to a nice little playlist that I've got. But otherwise, I listen to podcasts too. So uh, there's loads of different ones out there. Some of the other, my competitors, my um, I've become friends with all the other running apps out there. So I might listen to some of them, uh, whether it's Welfare or Running Commentary or uh, Tina Muir's podcast over in, she's in the States. So I might listen to some of them. But I quite like, I'm listening to David Tennant at the moment. Oh, I uh, love David Tennant's one. Yeah, it's great. He wears, <laughs> I like just really upbeat, positive interviews. So I'll listen to quite a lot of them. I sometimes listen to Paul McKenna's as well. Um, I just like something quite positive and upbeat. Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I dipped into audiobooks in the end. You know, like when you're training for a marathon, you need something quite long, don't you? So yeah. I, I made the move into audiobooks. How is that? Yeah, wow. It depends on the book, very much like the podcast, you know. So um, I was always a fan of Adam Buxton. That's kind of, you know, that's where I I got my complete sort of podcast fangirl from. Um, but then made the move into books. And um, yeah, some some brilliant. Um, like I was listening to Catelyn Moran, um, like How to Be a Woman. That's That was that was great. That made the miles sort of go by. But um, but some sort of slightly more intense, worthy numbers can, can really kind of stretch your run out a little bit. So you have to sort of pick and choose, I think. Go for yeah, more fluffy no. novels, I think. Yeah, I, I think there is there's a certain type of thing you have to listen to if when you're running just to keep you going, isn't there? Also, nothing too funny. Like I, I sometimes listen to Shag Married Annoyed, but I, I literally start laughing. It's really hard to run and laugh. Yeah. Um, Sofa Cinema Club, which is three of the Corey boys, and they just they review films that we've all seen. They're like really old films, and it's just hilarious sometimes. And again, I'm like trying not to laugh while I'm running. It's really hard. It so- is really hard. Yeah, I, I, and I also used to like back in the day, like. Um, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I used to just listen to the radio and it was the same sort of thing that it would either be something that was too funny that would kind of would stop you in your tracks or it was shocking news. Like I, I particularly remember a time when I was running along and the news came out that Edwina Curry and John Major had had an affair. And I, I remember tripping up, <laughs> just go, oh my God. <laughs> so I can't listen to the news anymore. Yeah. It's not quite the same though, is it? I tried for a while listening to a podcast that just has like the news from this week, you know, like almost like an update, whatever. There's loads of different podcasts out there that do it. I just find it not very inspiring. So I know, yes, educational, interesting, but just not motivating <laughs> at all. So yeah, you do have to choose your podcast quite carefully when you're running. I think you do. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, when's your next run? Do you run every single day? Um, I'm I'm not running every single day and I think I've learned through lockdown that that is the surefire way to get injured so I'm trying desperately to to not run every day I probably run about four times a week and um, I'm going to start I go to the gym every now and again so I'm going to start going back to the gym and try and build up some strength because I think that might help pick my speed up and pick my strength for running back up again it's something that I've neglected so when in these winter months that is what I'm going to do. And when are you doing the Vitality 10K? I'm going to do it uh, later this week on Thursday. I think I'm going to do it. I've had to schedule my week because it's so busy with loads of work. So I've just 
I've literally put a put everything in so Thursday is my it's probably going to be the rainy day isn't it the day it's bucketing down but yeah that's when I'm doing it yeah well runners are used to the elements you'll be you'll be fine won't you and then I've got an excuse as well (laughs) (laughs) slow because it was raining (laughs) I'm sure it'll be brilliant we'll um we'll be cheering you on thank you very very much I guess I shouldn't be surprised at how brilliant Jenny was, but it was genuinely lovely to speak to her and to find out that actually she's just like us. She loves running, she hates homeschooling, and she has to think creatively about how to fit running into her day. Now, don't forget to go to asics.tv forward slash shoes to find out exactly what shoes you should be running in. This episode was recorded over Zoom. The editor and composer was David Newman, and my mic is the Podcast Pro from Sontronics. Please hit like and subscribe. That way, you won't miss the next episode. At Women's Running, we want to inspire you to run, whether you've never run before or you're training for your fifth ultramarathon. We think that women who run need a space for themselves, and we want to be that. Every month, we talk all things running and all things women, from training plans for specific distances to interviews with incredible runners ideas on how to improve your running and remain injury-free, to delicious recipes to fuel your running and tons of advice on women's health. The easiest way to get hold of a copy is to go to our online shop at shop.womensrunning.co.uk or you could get it delivered direct to your door or to your inbox every month by subscribing. You can buy the digital edition at pocketmags.com or download the app to your phone or tablet through your app store. For all the different ways to read the magazine, go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk. Do join us. We would love to have you with us. Happy running. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.